You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That being said, right now, if we had to play a game today, both guys deserve to play. So we'll see how we manage it. Uh, I know even when I was in school, Coach Osborne wanted to intentionally give the next guy reps, actual meaningful reps, because you're always going to need a second quarterback. So the competition's still going on, and uh, we'll see where it, it lands at the end. I'd prefer it if it was one guy, but if we need to play the other one a little bit uh, to get him ready, we will. I feel really comfortable with that. It, if you're talking about the quarterback position, in terms of what they know, how they operate, do they know the reads and the keys? Could they draw for you every pass pattern in our pass offense? Could they draw you all the fronts and the keys and reads for our guys? Absolutely. They can do all that stuff, and can they take it to the field? Absolutely. I think we have a good problem. We feel confident in both of those guys that if their number's called, they can go out there and, and execute the offense and, and, and win the game for us. And so uh, that's a good problem to have, but uh, there has been no, no concrete decision as of today. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we are going to go out of the gates with this quarterback situation for Nebraska. Still no word uh, guys yet on 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 where Nebraska's leaning uh, with this quarterback situation. I think before last week's show, we all thought maybe Jebby had the edge. But then after the scrimmage on Friday, uh, Adrian Martinez had the edge. And this past week, they've rotated the number one reps over and over again. And um, you get the sense maybe people know, or at least coaches know, what way they're going to go. But for whatever reason, strategy, keeping guys happy or, or how they're doing it, they have not really tipped their hand which way they're going or even when they're going to let us know who's starting. We know Akron preparations began late in the week here, uh, but you know you still don't know for sure when that announcement's going to come, Robin. Yeah, and I think there's a pretty clear difference in when we're going to find out about it and when the team and the players are going to find out about it. Like you said, I think this coaching staff has a pretty good idea of where things stand and ultimately what they're going to do. But they're going to let the competition play out, um, you know, at least another day uh, before the, the grind or the actual meet of Akron prep starts. I think they said Friday, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, no one said first. really. It's, it's Thursday or Friday. Yeah. But if, if they're doing situational scrimmaging on Thursday, mm-hmm. you would think Friday yeah. uh, might be the day when they so kind I think, of start. Yeah, that, that's when they actually, like, really get into it, I think. So Thursday – um, according to offensive quarter, coordinator Troy Walters, quarterback coach Mario Verdusco, uh, that's going to be a pretty defining point in this whole competition. Uh, they're going to do a lot of different situational work, two-minute drill, four-minute drill, red zone, uh, third down, third and long, uh, and really kind of just test uh, how these guys show up. And um, Mario Verdusco made it pretty clear that, you know, along from just like scoring touchdowns and getting first downs, so there's something about situational work that can be a really you know good separator in, in a competition like that when it comes to the quarterback position. Um, you know there are sometimes where you put the stress of you know having to make a play here and now, having to execute um, when the pressure is at its highest. That you know brings out uh, the attributes you're looking for in a quarterback, and so it's just a scrimmage, um, you know, and some controlled uh, dynamics there. But I do think that that is going to go a long way, and ultimately finalizing whatever decision they want to make. And I would imagine the team knows by Friday who their starting quarterback is going to be, whether when we know about that on Friday is unknown or if they wait till Monday's press conference or if they wait all the way up to the day before the game. 
Um, that's to be determined. But I think the team is going to have a very good idea of what the situation is well before they start actually getting into the meat of Akron prep. Yeah, I actually think they already have a decent idea of, of who the guy may be. Although everyone, I mean, it's a unified front here. Every, everyone is all kind of on the on the same wavelength in terms of not really tipping their hand one way or the other. I know talking with Javon McQuitty uh, after Wednesday's practice, you know, when he was asked to describe, you know, what each quarterback does well, he said that they both do everything great. And, and I mean, he <laughs> went out of his way to not say vanilla. Oh, yeah, I mean, he didn't say anything. He was not tipping his hand one way or the other, and he had a, a huge smile on his face the whole time. Like, uh, yeah, not falling for for the banana and the tailpipe type of type of deal there. So, uh, but I do think that it has been a close race. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think there's any question that both these guys have impressed in, in certain you know in different ways and different under different circumstances throughout fall camp. So, um, but it, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see exactly how and when Coach Frost decides to kind of release this information to the masses well and what we don't know is he's he's hinted now maybe playing two and and the, the early on they were against playing two uh but you get the sense that that's the direction they could go and what does that mean maybe the number two guy gets one series in the first half i, I can't imagine them saying it's going to be a 50 50 split i think it at best two series but i would think maybe one series so that other guy would go in the first half yeah i mean i think it all depends on how the game goes obviously you come in with a plan and if that plan doesn't go the way you thought, you adjust accordingly. But uh, Mike Tyson always said everyone's got a game plan until they get punched yeah, in the mouth. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, that's obviously, I think, something that's going to impact ultimately how that first game plays out. But I do think they're going to make it a point to try and get both those guys in there because that's the one thing they haven't been able to simulate outside of maybe, to an extent, the spring game is how guys respond when the lights are on, when the fans are in the stands. I mean, it's one thing to do it in practice and even one thing to do when you're setting up some situational high-pressure drills. Uh, but the, the reality is that it's a whole different ball game when the games are real and you're playing a live opponent and there's actual consequences on the line. Uh, and I think that's what, why whoever the week one starter is is kind of – uh, an afterthought. I, I think it's ultimately going to come down to these first few few weeks into the season, how those guys play in games when they get those opportunities. And what kind of rope will the starter have? Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I think that they have an idea of what they want to do in those games. We'll see how it plays out. But both those guys are going to get a chance. And how they do in those chances it will probably determine who your quarterback is in November, let alone just who it is for the first few weeks. Yeah, and the wild card to me is that neither one of these guys have ever started a college football game. I mean, I think we still lose track of played a game. Je yeah, Tristan. <laughs> yeah, neither, everyone neither acts one. like Jebby is some, yeah, some grizzled veteran. Yeah, He's a richer freshman. Exactly. Both these guys, regardless of who it is, they're going to be making their first ever start. Going to be making their first ever appearance in a college football game uh, against Akron. So. Um, you know, and I think that uh, guys react differently. Guys play differently in that type of situation than they do in practice sometimes. So that will, like Robin said, I think that that how how either either one of those guys kind of you know handles that moment could could kind of go a long way in determining who the man is going to be the rest of the season. Yeah, there's no green jersey when Akron comes to exactly. town. So you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we discuss. Really, the final week of fall camp. The next week will be in our regular uh, game week shows uh, for the Akron game uh, next Saturday night. But a couple of basketball things I wanted to get to out of the gates for Robin here in this opening segment. Number one, Robin, Nebraska gets a commitment from 2020 Lincoln North Star guard Donovan Williams. 
what does this mean for Nebraska, as the Red Sea Scrolls would say? Well, it is the first commitment from a Lincoln, Nebraska high school prospect. Muleheisen, right? Since Jake Muleheisen in 2001. Oh. So, long time coming on that front. And he's so. calling the games now for us. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of dates you there. Uh, he, he came in when I came in, so I know he's old. Uh, anyway, it's a big deal, just you know, not only the in-state sense, but um, I think Donovan Williams is uh, going to be a pretty – good sleeper when all is said and done. I mean, he's a guy that is a three-star recruit already, and he wasn't even ranked until this summer when our own Eric Bossy, our national uh, recruiting analyst, uh, saw him in New York at the Adidas Gauntlet, and he went there to watch another player uh, and just couldn't help but notice Donovan Williams you know, throughout the game to the point where he went back and watched another couple games just to you know, really get a sense of if this kid was good or not. Well, he was good. And then, you know, obviously the Nebraska offer, I think he got the offer on July 14th, um, vindicated that. And, uh, you know, he got some attention from Wisconsin, Iowa, Creighton. Uh, you know, they were all starting to, you know, look around and see if this kid was the real deal. But Tim Miles never backed off. Uh, as soon as they extended that offer, you know, they put the full court press. They had him on two unofficial visits and were able to get a verbal commitment, a full year or full recruiting cycle uh, ahead of the ball game. So um, he's on the brink of potentially being a Rivals 150 player if he's able to continue his trajectory. Um, so a big deal, not only in the PR standpoint, but as a potential long-term prospect. And quickly, the schedule came out. Big Ten schedule came out. Robin, uh, the big take, I thought, six we don't know one of them yet but six saturday games at home so for our statewide crowd that likes to come into lincoln on a saturday enjoy the hay market the rail yard kind of take it in almost like a football saturday you're gonna have six of those this year which is great for obviously all the local businesses and people that want to come in on weekends to watch nebraska basketball yeah a long time coming on that one uh you know you look back last season they had just two saturday home conference games they have three this year and two then three non conference games. Yeah, and three non conference games. And so uh, two years ago, they didn't have a single Big Ten Saturday home game. And they only have two Sunday conference games. So uh, the schedule is actually favorable for the fan perspective. Should be able to create some good atmospheres for some marquee games because those non conference games, uh, you know, Creighton's involved in there. Um, and then obviously Ohio State's coming to town. So they have some pretty big teams coming in on Saturday. We'll get the full Pinnacle Bank Arena effect. All right, that's going to be exciting. When we come back, we're going to shift back over and, and talk more offensive storylines in fall camp. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Jalen Barnett decided that uh, it was best in his best interest to, uh, to step away from the game. Uh, I think Jalen sustained his fifth concussion. And I think this is fifth at the University of Nebraska. I think you know, it's my understanding he had a couple uh, in high school prior to arriving here. So um, uh, he's done a great job for us. Uh, he, he, he really improved his game since you know, we arrived, and was really you know really counting on him to get some some quality depth and some quality backup reps. But uh, you know when you when, when you sustain those too many times, you kind of start thinking about it. You know, and, uh, and he decided that you know, it's in his best interest uh, to step away at this point in time. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus says this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. One location here in Lincoln, five in Omaha. Get into Tanner's as football is starting. We'll have week zero college football games beginning this weekend and obviously Everything begins next weekend uh, with college football starting Thursday through Monday of Labor Day weekend. But out of the gates, guys, I want to hit all the roster attrition, even though it's not offensive. But 
Jalen Barnett medically retires from the game of football. Will Jackson quits the team as he did not like, I don't think, where he stood on the depth chart. And then uh, Avery Roberts granted his scholarship release. Barnett's not a surprise. Um, Roberts not a surprise based on kind of what we knew going into the season. I think Jackson is probably the biggest surprise of them all. Uh, that was Greg Austin earlier talking about Barnett. But uh, Jackson, you know, came in looking like a million bucks, maybe as big of a corner physically as we've ever seen at Nebraska. And um, just didn't like where he stood on the depth chart. He's moved on. And, and Nate, you know, you probably, being the recruiting guy here, could could maybe chime in on this. I mean, he, he's been – Nebraska was his fourth school he's either committed to or went to, and now he'll be heading to a fifth. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it's an odd situation for him to, to make a move like that this late in the game. I'm not sure what his options really are, but you're right. He started out – uh, he's from Maryland, signed with Kentucky out of high school, um, and then kind of things didn't work out there, so he went to Iowa Western, and then things didn't really work out there, so he went to Mesa Community College in Arizona. Um, and then he just graduated, kind of was a late qualifier, I guess, late graduate. And Nebraska was, was being opportunistic and, and trying to pick up somebody that they felt like would be able to help them in the secondary, which is a big area of need. Um, you know, and, and from all accounts, I mean, based off his film and, and from what his coaches had to say about him, I mean, this is a kid, like you said, he looked like a million bucks. He's 6'3", 190-pound corner. Uh, the, the moment he arrived on campus during Friday Night Lights, I mean, it looked like, okay, this guy definitely looks the part. We'll, we'll see if he can play or not. But, um, yeah, I guess that was the big question surrounding him is, is that, that I don't know if he really impressed. Uh, you know, there were kind of talk that he ended up being on the scout team and, and that, uh, that he didn't really like that. And so he decided to kind of pursue options elsewhere. Yeah, and Baja Vanuku, I think he's kind of in the same boat, but he's obviously still embracing it and competing. But He's another newcomer that hasn't really emerged yet because he's coming off injury. But, yeah, every guy's wired differently. And, you know, Avery Roberts clearly wanted to play. He didn't like where he was at. Will Jackson thought he could maybe win a starting job. And he, I said this earlier this week, he kind of did his job. He made Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle get better. And then you've had other guys come in here um, and, and Cam, uh, Cam, uh, Cam Taylor. Taylor, you know, and he, he's made some noise and other guys. Braxton so, Clark. Braxton yeah, Clark. Braxton so. Clark. Um, in a sense, he made others better, and he didn't rise up to the challenge. And, you know, he's going to move on. But, yeah, odd, odd timing on the decision, um, you know, just not looking at the big picture of, of maybe just finishing out a year of school and getting education paid for and things. But we've seen it all, guys, doing this job. I mean, I mean nothing really surprises him anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the most shocking part was that he stuck it out a whole two months before he moved on. And, you know, he was a guy that was brought in late in the process. And when you bring in a JUCO that late – Generally, he's going to be in the mix to compete for a starting job or at least significant playing time. And obviously that didn't play out. And, you know, maybe that's partly because he's just not good enough or wasn't as good as the coaching staff thought. But I think it's more a reflection, like you mentioned earlier, of the emergence of some of those young guys that the staff wasn't necessarily counting on to be as ready as they are right now. Cam Taylor in particular, uh, the fact that, you know, he basically arrived at this fall having never played full-time cornerback and is already in the mix to play immediately as a true freshman is astounding. The fact that Braxton Clark is coming in and picked up the defense as well as he has to the point where he's, I think Travis Fisher said he's leading the team in interceptions this fall. Uh, that's incredible. And so you got two young guys that completely changed the dynamic of what that quarterback or sorry, cornerback picture was going to look like. And um, you pair that with, you know, an older guy like Jackson who uh, maybe isn't exactly, you know, 
shaping up to be what everyone thought he was going to be, um, that's where he ended up in that depth chart. And, you know, if you're not ready to compete and do it right away, you're going to get passed up. And so, uh, you know, it's the old term cutting the fat. I think we're seeing a lot of fat get cut here over the last few months since Frost took over. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett and Nate Klaus as we uh, let's get back on the offensive stuff. Uh, we learned this week, and not a surprise to any of us at running back, Nebraska wants to go with more of a committee approach, it sounds like, uh, with that position. And I think the bigger question is who will be the quote-unquote committee. I think we know Greg Bell is going to be in the committee. Devino Zigbo is going to be in there. Maurice Washington is going to have some part, part of it. And then it's a matter of could a Mikel Wilbon or a Trey Bryan or a Wyatt Mizur, how will they kind of work those three to four backs per game? Well, I think when healthy, Trey Bryant is for sure in that conversation. The problem is when healthy, <laughs> when healthy. I mean, not only did he just get back off that knee injury, he suffered an ankle sprain last week that is continuing to limit him. Uh, and so he just can't practice right now. And when you can't practice, you can't play. I mean, that's the old saying, um, but that's where he is right now. He's good enough to be a key piece in this running game. The staff wants him to be a key piece in this running game because he's ex- certainly talented enough to thrive in what they want to do. But uh, until he can stay on the field, there's only so much of a role he can get. So I would imagine he plays in some capacity, but it's probably going to be a really limited, you know, special package. He's on a pitch count. Yeah, exactly, because they're going to be extremely careful with him because, you know, you see what happens when you try to work him too hard. Well, Ryan Held may have tipped his hand a little bit. He said that Trey Bryant had been working uh, or looking good in some situational work, some red zone work. Um, this past week, but it has been really limited because of that ankle. So if there's a role that may be one of the roles that he has um, on, on that limited pitch count, another guy has been Miles Jones, who, uh, you know, he, he's really emerged here over the last three practices. Wednesday, Ryan Held said that, that he's a guy that they specifically targeted out of high school to add to the recruiting class because he could play that duck R position, the guy that's a slot receiver but could also line up in the backfield. Um, and that over the last three practices, he's really turned some heads and and Ryan Held's been using him primarily as a running back over the last few practices because of his home run hitting ability so he's another option yeah so this brings up the question about Jalen Bradley I mean what, what is what is his role do you think that there's a chance he might redshirt it's I mean I think the four game rule is definitely something to look at if, if they don't get him reps in any of the first few games yeah I do I do believe um, that, that's something to look at. I mean, obviously he's a fit in this offense. They recruited him yeah, to they Central recruited Florida. Him out of high school. But and you you wait out a year. You have that redshirt year sitting there in your pocket. You can let Wilbon and Azigbo uh, move on, and then who else? Who else knows what's going to happen attrition wise? I think that that would probably be a smart move long term for him. A couple other things I need to squeeze in here on the offense. We did learn really it's going to be six linemen that play this year. Uh, the two tackles: Hymas and Farniak, Foster, Farniak, or uh, Foster, um, Farmer. Farmer and then uh, Conrad, and then Bo Wilson. Those will be the six that play. Nate, I wanted to get your comment. I know we're running up against the clock, but um, on Andre Hunt, the wide receiver, that's another name, a new name uh, that we've not talked about uh, that has emerged, and you would probably know more about Andre Hunt than anybody. Well, he's another big-time you know, playmaker. He's a guy with plenty of speed, someone that can stretch the field. Uh, and he has really started to emerge here as of late. I mean, he was previously committed to USC, so I mean, they don't just take you know, you know, average guys typically. So uh, he did want to kind of open things up towards the end of the process. But um, you know, he's a guy that I think gives them more home run hitting ability uh, from a different perspective, different position on the football field. And no new news on the Dominic Watt front as. Uh, more and more looking like he'd be headed to a junior college if, if they don't get any word by Monday when the drop ad date 
comes into play. But all right, when we come back, we're going to shift over now to the defense as uh, we'll talk more defensive storylines from camp here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, I thought they'd make a big jump. You know, we thought some of those additions would be pretty good. I think the, the best part is the guys that were here before, some of the older guys, they kind of fed off the competition the new guys brought. So those guys made a big jump, along with the new guys giving us a, a lot of depth and, and some guys challenging for some starting spots. So I think they made a huge jump. Uh, more than expected, I don't know, but that they definitely made a huge jump for us. Our ideal situation on defense would be have two guys that we trust to play and play them both at every position. We play fast on offense. That leads to our defense having to play more snaps than a lot of defenses do. Um, when we're at our best on defense, it's almost like hockey lines coming onto the field with another group of guys that we can trust. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander and head coach Scott Frost talking about just their outlook with the defense, the competition, and how much they want to play guys. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as uh, we discussed the defense and that hockey uh, rotating guys in like hockey lines analogy. Um, you, you get the sense they're getting pretty close to establishing how they want to do that. Um, you know, you almost get the feeling, Robin, that they're going to play maybe over 20 guys regularly on this defense. For sure, we know on the D line there's a six to seven. There's probably on the inside linebacker for the four spots, eight to nine. And then in the back end on the secondary, I think we're looking anywhere of eight to nine guys playing. Yeah, I think you have to uh, just with the amount of snaps that defense is going to be asked to play because of the offense they run. Uh, they're going to be on the field a lot. And so in order to keep legs fresh, prevent injuries and wear and tear, and just keep guys you know able to go um, at the same level for a full season, you got to rotate and rotate often. But you can only do that when you have depth you can trust at each of those levels. And that's probably the biggest key, I think, through all this is the strides that side of the ball has made from where we entered spring ball, where there were a lot of pressing questions on that defense. Who was going to be the pass rush? Where was the defensive line depth? Uh, what was the situation at linebacker? Uh, and then it goes without saying the secondary looked to be like a total mess. Now, all of a sudden, the defensive line is as deep as I can remember it in a long time. The linebackers seem to be one of the most improved overall units of the team. And the secondary, with some introduction of some uh, you know, transfer players like Trey Neal, uh, you know, Deontay Williams, and then the emergence of some true freshmen, suddenly looks like a completely revamped unit. And so um, suddenly the idea of rotating seems not only like something you have to do, but something they should do to get all the talent that has you know, budded over the past few months onto the football field. Yeah, Mick Stoltenberg kind of said it earlier in camp, you know, it, it's unrealistic to think that if you're on the defense that you can play 70 plus snaps a game and last all, se all season long. It would, you would just, your body would just not hold up, especially once you got into Big Ten play. So uh, for that reason, they're, they're definitely rotating to try and keep guys fresh. And, and I get the sense that they're, that they feel much more comfortable with the overall depth than maybe they, they thought they would at this point, um, or, or at least were what they thought they would coming out of the spring um, and when you talk to the offense too uh, on Wednesday more than one offensive player mentioned that hey watch out for this defense they are playing really well right now and and you know that they wouldn't necessarily like to be going up against them once the season starts so uh, and it has been the emergence of some of those new faces those transfers and those those incoming freshmen that have really made a huge impact so far you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robin Washette and Nate Klaus has uh, we discussed the defensive storylines and, and, and kind of moving forward how they go things. One other guy that, that has 
um, you know, we're talking about freshmen. Um, I, you know, there's a comment made by Javon DeWitt this past week about Caleb Tanner, the true freshman outside linebacker out of Georgia, rivals top 100 type guy. And, and he said that as far as learning the game as a freshman, he's as good as he's ever seen on the mental side. And we know the physical part will come, but um, I'll be really curious how Caleb Tanner's role evolves. Will it just be pass rushing or uh, will they be able to kind of turn him loose right away week one? I think he's still got to add some bulk to that frame. He's still pretty skinny. You look at pictures of him, but uh, you know, Nate, we and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, he just has that frame that you can tell they can put on 30 pounds of muscle pretty easily. Um, and he's just one of those guys that uh, just, just has that build to him. And uh, so I think early on, they'll probably key him in mostly as a pass rushing specialist. And a lot of that is because they have the depth to for, have other guys there. You're only talking about three defensive line positions and, um, you know, uh, they got pretty set on the outside linebacker spot too. So uh, I think they can find, you know, different ways to use him in some situational pass rushing packages um, to where he can still make an impact while he continues to, you know, develop mentally, but also get some muscle on him uh, to be a bigger, you know, every down factor uh, in years to come. Yeah, he's made some some pretty big strides physically already, but you know he's listed at two ten. I'm I'm not quite sure if he's he's at two ten. I, I might would, be generous. Yeah, it might be generous, but I guarantee you he's going to look like a completely different player coming out of winter conditioning. Um, you know, next year. I mean, he like you said, he's got that frame where uh, thirty pounds would be no problem for him. Um, you know, and, and I do think that he's going to be more of a situational guy, uh, just because where he's at physically. I don't know if you can really count on him to hold up. You know, if you're if you're counting on him against the run, uh, you know, all game long. So, but there's no question that he's going to be somebody that gives him a lot at that pass rushing spot. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss defensive storylines. I'll be curious. You know, with this freshman rule, I mean, why? I mean, you got to think they're going to try to get everybody opportunities yeah, over their first year you know guys like uh the defensive lineman rogers and you know in in, in wilderman will will them in and you know david austin even like i mean I'll, I'll just be curious the plan they put in place for some of those types of guys is they're not being talked about as the frontline guys but with this new rule i mean you're almost at a disservice if you're not trying to get those guys in a couple of games this year yeah you're a fool if you don't utilize it obviously you know we mentioned with the quarterbacks uh, it's going to depend on how these early games go. I mean, ideally, you get up on a pretty big early lead on Akron, and then you play a whole bunch of young guys. You know, same thing with Troy and maybe even Colorado, to where you're entering conference play with potentially, you know, three games where you got those young guys some action and got to see what they can do and make an informed decision, obviously, for the rest of the season. But if nothing else, you get them legitimate game time experience under their belt. And we all know that's so valuable in the development of a young player to, to actually get on the field and see with their own eyes what it, it, it's like, what the speed is like playing against a live opponent in that situation. Uh, and so, you know, this rule, I think, is we talked about it. It's such a long time coming. This should have been done years and years ago. And I think it's going to benefit not only programs, uh, but for players themselves to, to real, acclimate to the game and, like I said, make better decisions about their future. I think it benefits the coaches, too, because they can show them tangible proof you know, on film as far as why they may need a red shirt, what they need to work on. Um, you know, and so I, I think that's a big deal too for these guys. But um, yeah, getting them that experience is is invaluable, especially if you're able to do it, get three games under their belt before you go on the road uh, to to uh, to Michigan. You know, I, I think that that would definitely help you kind of put together your travel roster as well. Yeah, you know, one thing that hasn't been talked about though about this is you know a lot of walk-on guys used to benefit from those 
types of situations because of all the red shirts going on guys will walk on type players that used to get in those games late well those guys no longer get their reps and I mean that that's not something anyone I don't think wants to address but I think it is maybe a reality and how do you you know obviously Frost is not about favoring scholarship guys over walk-on guys uh, but it will be interesting to see because uh, for some of those walk-on players those moments to get in those games were why they did this and if you're going to play maybe freshmen over some of those guys um, that that will be a whole different spin with a walk-on program yeah that's the one downside to to the rule I mean it's going to cut some opportunities for those walk-ons to play but uh, in the grand scheme of things it's not about you know making walk-ons happy it's about winning football it's about winning yeah exactly and so you're going to put the best players you possibly can on the field and uh, whoever that is if it's a walk-on that plays his way into the rotation fine but you know if there's a scholarship guy that you're going to get four full games to get a look at uh, you're going to go with that option first no question all right, when we come back, we are going to bring in Husker Online interns Mike Wheeler and Alec Rome for the mailbag as we'll take your final week of fall camp questions. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I can't wait to put my first walk on on scholarship. It's going to be a, a happy day for me when I see that come to fruition and see our plan for walk-ons take the next step. Uh, but we're not going to hand them out. The guy's going to have to earn them. They're going to have to be out on the field. They're going to have to do things the right way and represent Nebraska the right way. And um, we'll see if we have any coming up right away in fall. But uh, I expect some of these guys to get there sooner or later. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. And it is the mailback time, and we got more interns to introduce here on the program. Uh, welcome to Husker Online. Alec Rome, a freshman at UNL. Mike Wheeler, uh, junior, senior, fifth, what, junior? Uh, senior finance major. Senior fi- okay, Mike Wheeler, senior, and a freshman, Alec Rome. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the mailbag. Uh, we take your questions each week. I know you guys posted the questions. Let's just get right out of the gates here. Alec, what do you have out of the gates? All right, sounds good. Here, one second. Let me reach in the bag. And we got one right here. Um, <laughs> if you were Frost, let's pretend for a second. If you were Frost, do you start the quarterback who makes your weakness stronger, or would you strengthen the strength of the team? <sighs> yeah, it's a, that's, a, it's, that's the million-dollar question. And for Scott Frost, it's why he makes $5 million a year question, um, mm-hmm. to, yep. to kind of manage the situation and – it's been a very delicate type tightrope. Um, nobody wants to speak out of turn or term. Um, even Mario Verdusco last week sat in on Scott Frost's press conference so we could hear what Scott Frost said about the quarterback situation to make sure he probably didn't say anything he shouldn't have said. Um, so it, it's been very delicate, and um, I, I I'm leaning towards Martinez if I if I had to go right now. I think the long term ceiling is higher for Martinez. Uh, but you know who's going to help you win games more this year? I think right now uh, it's probably Tristan Jebbia, just because he's been the most consistent, based off reports we've heard from this you know, fall camp. Obviously, we've seen a grand total of about an hour of practice, so our own limited analysis is uh, only worth so much. So you take you know the reports from the coaches and the players uh, at a pretty high value, and right now, I mean, Martinez shows those flashes of how good he can be. But is he good enough right now to do it consistently to where you're not putting your team at risk? That's that's the big question that remains to be asked on him. And so, in the meantime, I think you probably stick with the guy who's, you know, maybe not as explosive or dynamic of a playmaker, but is going to be the facilitating point guard of the offense that keeps the drives on track and lets your playmakers do the work for him. So that's what that's what so I would do. So you are probably, Team Jebbia. For week one. 
For week one, I'm Team Jebby. Yeah, basically the way the question's posed, do you go with the facilitator or do you go with the, the do you more go with Russell Westbrook dynamic or runner? Rondo. Yeah. Or John Stockton. <laughs> so Stockton. Yeah. And and I lean I lean more towards um, towards the facilitator in week one too. I, I think that given all the weapons yeah. that this offense has right just, now. Just give the ball to Spielman Morgan and J D yeah. or get, uh, Tyjon, yeah, get, get the ball out um, and and let those guys do their thing and and run things efficiently and uh, and give yourself a chance to win win the ball game and and when the time is right then maybe you insert the more of the the dynamic playmaker. All right, so now that Dave Ellis has been leading the Husker Nutrition Program for a few weeks, do the players actually pl- uh, prefer his new menu? You know, it, it's. It's hard to read on that because the training table just opened up for business on Monday. So everything has been catered in before Monday um, with with classes beginning. But Dave Ellis has been very hands-on. You see him around practices. He's down there with the guys. Um, He's very cutting edge with his thought process of nutrition. So I have no doubt he is worth every cent they are paying him. There is a reason why Dave Ellis makes three times more than the previous nutritionist that Nebraska made. Yeah, if you're a Nebraska player and the guy that was LeBron James' personal nutritionist tells you what to eat, you eat it and you don't complain about it. Yeah, I don't know how much different the the menu may actually be, but uh, the guys are eating the right things at the at right time. At the times. right time, yeah. yeah. That's, breakfast. Yeah, they're th- actually eating breakfast. Oh, yeah, that's a novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus, we're taking your questions in the mailback. Alec Rome, what do you have? Well, this is a football-basketball hybrid question. Oh, kind of interesting. Ooh, two-parter. Yes, two-parter. What are the chances of Bryson Williams transferring back from Wisconsin since mm. little brother Donovan is in the boat for the basketball program? Not happening. Yeah. I mean, you're talking yeah. a Big Ten to Big Ten transfer. I mean, there's really only one way. If there was, like, some sort of family situation that caused Bryson to maybe come back home where he could be immediately eligible. But, that, I mean, <laughs> that's not happening. Bryson Williams is – going to probably play as a true freshman right Nate yeah that's what all, all accounts are that he's impressed during fall camp so I don't see that happening I know that had things happened a little earlier with the previous coaching staff in terms of an offer uh, he probably would be in Lincoln right now but you know as things happen when Barrett Root and Scott Frost offered him and, and tried to get him to leave the you know leave the Badgers and, and join the Huskers it was just one of those things where he had been committed too long and and felt a, a sense of loyalty to uh, to Paul Christ and, and that coaching staff yeah, and both those guys uh, were very independent with their recruitments you know I mean Donovan really didn't base anything on what Bryson did you know what happened with Bryson in Nebraska had no bearing on Donovan's perception of Nebraska well, and Don- so, Donovan didn't have a Wisconsin offer either right? yeah he had interest I mean he went up there and camped with him he took some unofficial visits so there was at least some interest there uh, but it never obviously got to that point but you know they were going to do their own things and so the idea that one of them is now at Nebraska is going to change the other's decision like you said not happening all right, so next one, uh, with the loss of another offensive lineman, will they look to bring in another JUCO tackle for more immediate depth or look to bring in a bigger freshman class and see who rises to the occasion? Well, I, I think that I, I would not be surprised to see them bring in a, a JUCO offensive tackle yet. And now that Jalen Barnett has left, maybe even another JUCO interior offensive player. Um, because I think when you look at the depth, I mean, after this season, after Tana Farmer, uh, Gerald Foster, and Cole Conrad graduate, they're only going to have eight scholarship offensive linemen and Mm -hmm. typically you'd like to carry 15 or 16 guys so uh, that calls for a huge class in 2019 and I I do think that you need to have a mixture of juco and high school prospects Uh, is there a position on offense or defense that you feel will not be or as or will be more efficient than the same position last year 
Um, running back, I think mm-hmm. you have to start right there. Uh, I, statistically, 2017 was the worst year in the modern-day program history for running backs. 100-yard games, total yards, yards per carry, home run runs, everything. Um, it, it, it was awful. So I don't know how the running back position is not going to be significantly better than what it was a year ago with the pieces they've added. I'm going to go tight end. Tight end was an afterthought in Nebraska's offense, you know, basically the entire Mike Riley era. Uh, you, you look back, I think they had just under 100 total catches between the tight end position with 10 total touchdown receptions from tight ends. Noah Fant had 30 catches and 11 touchdowns by himself last year. So I'll put that into perspective. I mean, uh, the, the role as a receiver was non-existent, and I think that's going to change in a big way. Not only do they have some pretty good talent in Jack Stoll, Austin Allen, Kurt Raftall, that I think could be you know pretty legitimate targets. We saw a glimpse of it in the spring game. You know, They had, I think, what, six or seven or eight catches uh, for about 100 yards between them, including a touchdown. Uh, I think the tight end is going to make a huge jump in actually being a piece of the passing game where it hasn't been the last three years yeah both good uh, choices I'm going to go with the offensive line although there are depth concerns which we kind of just touched on I, I think that this is going to be a much improved group um, and and if they can stay healthy which you know is uh, is something that's that's hard to do I, I do think that uh, they're going to be kind of the the group that this you know is kind of the spark plug so to speak for this offense and I, I think that we're going to see a huge improvement there all right, next question. Uh, is Nebraska going to be looked at as a trap game for some of their bigger Big Ten opponents this next year? Um, yes. I yes. mean, I, I think – keep that one simple. I, I don't I – don't, I have no doubt that everyone's kind of – no one's taking a side on Nebraska. It's pretty back and forth. Yeah, Michigan State for sure. Uh, in our spring recaps, I was talking with the rivals Michigan State guy, and he said that fans were already talking – about Nebraska in Lincoln on November 17th being their big trap game because it's going to come on like nine straight games of football for the Spartans without a bye. Uh, They're going to be worn down. It's going to be wedged between uh, some pretty big uh, East Division games. And so that has all the makings of being a trap game for them, uh, let alone, you know, what else happens with the rest of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to what the BTN guys had to say about practice, Nebraska is not all that far off par uh, from some of the top teams in the West and and even the conference in general. All right, we have time for one more quick one. You got something light to end with Alec yes and a little light and controversial Mm. what do you guys think about wearing suits and ties with no socks and tennis shoes (laughs) I think that would look really bad yeah I I hate that did Matt Reynoldson like submit that I'm sure that's what he must do at channel 8 our former intern like a Mark Roberts question I'm a big I mean I'm on TV a lot during the year and I'll wear suits and ties and I believe in wearing the dress shoes. Yeah, I've seen guys wear the tennis shoes you know, that are working the sideline when they're walking a whole bunch, but their shoes are never on camera. So, I mean, it's, it's more functional. I mean, if you're just there wearing tennis shoes, and the no socks thing bothers me. Yep. Shoes with no socks, it's, it's a bad Stinky. mix. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it's that's disgusting. That's, disgusting, absolutely. It, not something I could pull off, so I'm sticking with the, the dress socks and dress shoes with the with Do the people suit. do that? I'm not hip enough to pull off the, like, sneak the jeans in under the desk look. You know, you get the veteran TV guy that they'll be on camera and you only see, a, you know, stomach up or waist yep. up and they'll have the jeans on. First of all, I don't even think that's comfortable. I mean, I'm not going to wear a tucked-in shirt and tie and suit coat with a pair of jeans. Like, I'd rather just wear the full suit. Just go full suit. Go full suit. Own it. Own it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed your first mailbag. We'll have all four of our interns on um, throughout the season here each week as we take your questions in the mailbag. But when we come back, uh, we're going to close the show with some recruiting talk. Nate Klaus will join us again. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, he, he's up there for sure. Uh, he's done a really good job. He's adapted to college football as fast as any freshman I've seen. So I'm, I'm pleased and impressed with how, how he's been able to grasp that concepts. You know, and his attention to detail and practice is really good, which is not very common for a true freshman to have. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus now. Final segment as we talk some uh, recruiting uh, for Nebraska as um, the Huskers need uh, getting closer to that opening official visit weekend and more and more visitors scheduled by the day to be coming into Lincoln. Yeah, so far um, just three visitors that we've confirmed for that first weekend, but uh, they keep adding more guys for Colorado, Troy, and and even all the way out to uh, to Minnesota in, on the weekend of October 20th. Um, uh, Jared Baker, out of an athlete out of Florida, is the most recent guy to have uh, that we've been able to confirm an official visit with, and he'll be visiting for that Minnesota game. Uh, but I'm really impressed with with the number of players that they've been able to line up and, and kind of lock in for official visits so far. And and I think you know I think some people are getting a little nervous. Well, only three guys so far for for that first weekend and and actually one of them they got 16 commits though yeah they got 16 commits uh but that's typically you know that that first weekend is usually the the easiest weekend to get guys in for whether it be in a night game with it kind of following on the holiday weekend so on and so forth uh but i do think that we're going to see that that group or that weekend visit list kind of grow here over the next week as as we're able to confirm more and more guys but uh so far I think you have to like the work that they've done as far as lining up and locking in these visits. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Let's talk some recruiting now. Our high school football season, Nate, uh, really begins. Now, did any commits play this past Friday? Uh, you had Jackson Hanna that played in a in a scrimmage game. It really all the all the games that were played this past Friday were were kind of preseason games. There was never there wasn't that like sneaky way too early high school football week. I mean, some maybe one or two parts of the country opened yeah. up last week, and well, that was it. Yeah, and, and so a lot of uh, you know I know there were games. Uh, there's always the the Corky Kell Classic, which is in Georgia, uh, which is a lot of the a lot of the top teams in Atlanta, um, and sometimes they'll play some some top national teams. Um, you know, they, I know that they had a lot of games on their slate. However, uh, Quentin Newsom and uh, Ronald Tompkins did not play last weekend in that. You no, know, Thomas Grayson had a scrimmage against Jinx High School. Uh, so you had Booker T and Jinx squaring off last week. Uh, but that was just a, just a scrimmage, although that would have been a, a pretty good game. But uh, really, all the commits kind of kick off their season this week, uh, including a lot of the in-state guys. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Let's talk some local in-state things, Nate. Um, I know you'll be out at Burke watching uh, that season opener on, on Friday as they take on Lincoln Southeast. But um, everybody opens up th- this weekend here locally on Friday, some games Thursday. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I think the spotlight, though, is going to be on Omaha Burke uh, naturally with the three Power Five Division One recruits they currently have on the roster, and one being a Nebraska committing Nick Henrich, the other being a target in Chris Hickman, and then Xavier Watts, who currently holds a couple of offers as well. Yeah, I think that's going to be the team between Omaha Burke and, and maybe – um, and maybe you could point to a, a Bell West outside of the other guys that have committed just because they've got a, a top 100 player and Xavier Betts on that team. But um, you know, a lot of intrigue with with the Burke Bulldogs right now with Henrich obviously having committed. Uh, and then everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens with Chris Hickman, um, you know, the, the tight end slash outside linebacker prospect there who, uh, who most recently took an unofficial visit to Nebraska, has, has talked about taking official visits to – 
to Oregon and LSU, among others. So, um, but I, I do think, or I do know that Nebraska has kind of made up a lot of ground there. They're, they're kind of, um, I don't know if, if uh, you know, obviously Hickman would never go on the record saying this, but I think Nebraska is probably the team to beat at this point in time. Uh, and it obviously doesn't hurt the, that Nick Henrich is, is already in the boat there. But uh, a lot of intrigue there. And, and I think the, the big question, too, is not only do, does Nebraska end up getting Hickman, but where, what happens with Xavier Watts? Does, does he end up getting an offer? Um, you know, how, how does his season progress? And, and is he the type of athlete that Nebraska would eventually want on offense or potentially Because he's defense? not a guy that, that's going to test off the charts. I mean, we saw the numbers at Nebraska's camp. He didn't necessarily have great testing numbers Mm -hmm. he's really about what six foot yeah he's about six foot you know 175 180 pounds um so i mean his measurables aren't aren't off the charts or anything like that either but uh, but he's a good football player. I mean, you, you watch his film. He, he makes plays. I know the first time that I really, you know, noticed him was last year. And actually, the the the, the first play that I noticed him on was as a as a cornerback. Uh, he he made a really big play against Omaha North, uh, and I'm like, oh shoot, you know, who's who's that guy? And and it was sophomore Xavier Watts. I'm, and I kind of earmarked him, and uh, lo and behold, he, he's a guy that's got some some really nice Power Five offers already. And and I think that interest is going to continue to to go, but. I, I do think that what he puts on film these first few, you know, three or four weeks of the season will go in a long way in determining what other teams kind of go ahead and, and extend an offer. Now, Nate, Luke McCaffrey, Nebraska's 2019 quarterback commit, I assume he opens this weekend as well. Um, how curious will you be to see what he does in kind of his first game out of the gates? Yeah, Luke McCaffrey and Valor Christian, they're, they're going out to Nevada uh, to open up against Faith Lutheran. Um, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he does because this will be the first game that he's ever really gone into a, a, a season or, or really any game that he's gone into as the man at quarterback. You know, he did play some quarterback last year, but it was it was him filling in for a teammate of his that, that got injured. Uh, so he's always kind of been the utility guy. And, and now he's got an offseason under his belt and being the man at quarterback. And now, obviously, he's, he's heading into his senior season as the man. And um, and I think that honestly gives him a ton of upside at the position. Uh, I think that you talk to Luke, he'll tell you that, that he's got an awful lot to learn about playing that position. But, uh, he, I mean, he is a gifted athlete, and he's playing on a very talented team. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to be you know paying close attention to see what he does on the football field. And then Logan Smothers in Nebraska's 2020 commit as well. I mean, he already did big things as a sophomore, but – now being on the radar as a Nebraska recruit, I mean, I just want to see what he does out of the gates week one. Yeah, you know, there's there's a, anytime you commit, especially when you commit really early, I think there's a little bit of a, a target on your back, maybe some added pressure to, to perform at a higher level and kind of prove that, hey, you know what, I, I am, uh, you know, good enough to play at a, at a place like Nebraska for uh, for a coach like Scott Frost and in that offense. And so I, I'm intrigued to see what he's able to do. Uh, but, I mean, he's a natural athlete. He's a heck of a runner. He's a heck of a passer um, and he's only gotten bigger and stronger since the end of last season where he put together a heck of a year so um, you know that's going to be another one that I'm, I'm going to be paying close attention to, to seeing what Logan Smothers does because I have a feeling that he's going to have a breakout year which is going to lead to more and more offers uh, heading his way uh, and however gonna, and people could be using the situation at Nebraska oh they got two freshmen yeah. there right now and they got this and that why be committed and yeah there's they're going to get they're going to hear everything under the sun in fact I've, I've talked 
talked with I've talked with Logan and his father, and they're already hearing everything under the sun, and, and they got every pitch from every team that's that's even showed them any sort of interest over the summer as to why they should wait before they committed to Nebraska, uh, and they they said, well, that's great, but you know what, this is the place for us. We found our home, and, and we're not going to drag it out any farther. So, uh, so Husker Nation, be prepared for those offers to come Logan Smothers' way because it's going to happen. However, I don't think there's going to be anything that can really tempt him. At least I don't foresee that happening uh, at this stage in the game. All right, Nate, and as we wrap it up, Avery Roberts, we talked earlier, latest piece of attrition. That brings those inside linebacker numbers down to just four for Nebraska. Um, do you see them maybe adding another inside linebacker in this recruiting class or doing anything creative or – just being really set on the two guys they already have. I think that's a big question right now because, um, you know, it was kind of my understanding that they told both Jackson Hanna and Nick Henrich, hey, you, you guys are our are, are guys, the ones that we want. Um, you know, so I don't know if, if now that this has happened and there's there's more attrition there. And, and let's be honest, there's been quite a bit of attrition at the, at those, uh, at the inside linebacker position since, uh, since the staff took over. So those numbers are really thin. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them go after another high school kid or maybe even make another run at a Juco inside linebacker like a Lakaya Henry uh, who, who t- took an unofficial visit to Nebraska early and then uh, actually committed early uh, to Tennessee. Uh, you know, there's always been rumors that, that he may be looking around or maybe wanting to take more official visits in the fall. So that could be something that, that Nebraska does because that would kind of dis- redistribute some of the numbers there if they brought in a Juco instead of bringing in three high school guys at, the, at that position. Well, lots to follow and keep up with as high school football begins here this weekend. And Nate Klaus and Greg Peterson and the entire Husker Online team will be out in full force pretty much every Friday here, at least early on in the season, uh, bringing you coverage of different Nebraska recruits. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 